All right, good morning, everyone. Today's Wednesday, February 10th, 2021. Hope you guys are uh, having a good morning so far, uh, depending what time of the day you're listening to this. We got a fair amount of news to cover um, all over the world, different things, socially, politically, whatever. Uh, so let's get into it. Now, first off, one person is dead and four people are injured at a Minnesota health clinic thanks to a, a shooting there. And I say thanks to, and it, sarcastically, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the... the I don't want to just say these things happen, but it's true. Like you can't prevent every single thing. Now, obviously, if we could have it stopped, would we? Of course, like uh, goddamn, of course we would. But we can't control this. This is the problem, right? And um, this is the big debate of you know uh, gun regulation and things like this. I'll tell you where I stand. I'm more for the Second Amendment rather than against it. Um, again, I, I the argument, you know, people kill people, guns don't kill people. I subscribe to that more so than uh, the other way around. However, I know there's arguments on both sides. With that being said, though, I mean, the way I see it is this. In a very realistic world, even if guns were banned and totally illegal, like, for example, I live in Canada. So in Canada here, uh, just recently, Justin Trudeau, which I disagree with entirely, banned assault rifles, um, and not pistols and, and handguns and shotguns, but assault rifles after a shooting, I think in Montreal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but don't quote me on that. Anyways. The problem is, is it creates a bigger opportunity on the black market, right? And so, honestly, I, I view guns the same way as I view drugs or just like anything else in life. If you really want to get a hold of it, if someone who's that messed up in the head really wants to do a school shooting, believe me, they'll find a way. Now, the whole thing is like, yes, you know, maybe you should make it a bit harder to get a gun. But you know what, man? Like, the the, the problem is, is that, it, again, the Second Amendment's very strong, and I do, I can understand it, and I agree with it most mostly, uh, 80 to 90% of the time, and um, look, it's unfortunate, there's no real answer, because at the end of the day, I do agree with being able to protect yourself, uh, whether, I know everyone has a different standard of that, and I respect that entirely, for me personally, I mean, if I lived in the US, I'd probably have a few guns myself, just for, you know, basic protection, because, let's be honest, if someone comes into your home, and, and tries to rob something, or whatever, or what have you, uh, you call the police, how long does it take them to get there, could take them 5-10 minutes, could take them half an hour, right, could take them 2 minutes, but you don't know what's going to happen in between that time, at least if, you know, you're sleeping at night, you got a gun next to you or something like this, you know, you can protect yourself. Now, I'm just saying very clearly that I'm not trying to encourage people who are against guns to be for guns because I see the other side of it of the argument as well. Don't get me wrong. But again, th this is the, the complex situation. I just think that they should remain legal because ultimately if people, if shooters really want to do a mass shooting or if people really want to do something, whether it's commit suicide, which is terrible or what have you, they're going to do it. They're going to find a gun or they're going to find a way to do it right? And they're just going to get more creative. So at least if they stick with, if we stick with providing guns, not to them, but just to the general public in the United States, then at least we can understand. And I would argue in Canada, but don't get me started on Trudeau. I, then people would be able to literally uh, defend themselves more. And again, I, I know I'm, I'm a little biased there, so don't, don't take me for my word on that. The next thing is that there's a video of Russian police physically humiliating, excuse me, humiliating a journalist that sparked outcry on, online and the police published the video themselves. Now you might say, why did they break into this guy, this journalist's home and start uh, physically abusing him and, and humiliating him? And it had to do with the questioning of the January 23rd protest in Russia, I believe was the Navalny protests. And so when we look at that, we see that this journalist covered a lot of the protests and he kind of got an 
on the ground view of what was happening and obviously this is not right for the police to just come into his house and just you know attack him like that look i have a lot of russian friends i know a lot of people in russia most of the time they tell me as long as you don't piss off anyone politically russia is a great place now i'm not trying to pass judgment uh, i think the russian people are fantastic people and i think that if they want their country to be run in that way then so be it but if they don't then it's time for a conversation you know what i mean it's just that a lot of people tend to think that Everyone around the world should agree with the Western culture, the, the democratic agenda. That's not always the case. There are some cultures that really like tradition, and we got to be able to respect that, especially here in the West, right? Uh, overseas, I'm talking, like if we head to another country and what have you. The next thing is, because nationally, that's a bit of a different issue uh, for a different debate. The next thing is that there was a light that lit up in a in the Florida skies uh, yesterday, prompting Twitter to go nuts thinking a UFO, it's UFO, but the Navy said it was just a missile. Look, here's the thing. I'm surprised that Twitter goes nuts about these things, and I, I'll tell you why. Because there's far more better footage than what this footage was yesterday, and I probably have the article to the right of me if uh, if you guys want to get a, a visual of what it looks like. Was it a UFO? Was it a Navy missile? I honestly don't care because I've seen the thing, and it's like a blurry sphere. I've seen way better shots and videos and images of it, which makes me wonder why is it that if like, you know, the best high quality UFO videos are the better ones at the very least, you have to go into like, you know, UFO uh, subreddits or Facebook groups or what have you to really find those videos. But, and again, I know there's deep fake, they could be deep fake, but at the same time, for example, the, um, the, the, the Pentagon footage was way better than the Florida one. Maybe because so many people in Florida saw it who, and it sparked enough of, enough of them in Florida who had Twitter to start something, a little like, you know, coalitional thread online on Twitter to, you know, build it up and get it trending. Maybe that's the case. But honestly, it, it, I've seen way better footage. So I have to ask the question, why? Like, why that of all things? You know, why not the way better pictures that people have taken in the last two months alone, you know? The next thing is that Kobe Bryant's pilot didn't follow uh, his traditional training protocols and dismissed harsh weather conditions, allegedly, which is why the crash happened. Look, you'd like to think if you're someone like Kobe Bryant, you got that kind of money to pay a pilot. You'd like to think the pilot is competent. Now, I'm not saying he's incompetent, but at the same time, if the guy dismissed protocols and things like that because maybe he didn't want to piss off Kobe, I could tell you right now, if they knew they were going to die, then yeah, the, trust me, Kobe would say, no, no, let's not go. You know what I mean? Anyone would, right? With that being said, though, at the same time, I also read in an article that was speculating, we don't know if Kobe had said to, because obviously the pilot's dead, we don't know if Kobe had said to the pilot, you know, can we? Can you please do your best to try to make it happen? And then the pilot felt obligated to go. So I don't know specifics. I don't want to comment on something where, especially I wasn't there, especially when the closest thing we could get to reporting on that is, I think... I don't know. It's been over a year now, right? Most of them on the on the chopper uh, are deceased. So again, uh, rest in peace. But that's very unfortunate. The next thing is that Biden's nominee for the OMB, which stands for the Office of Management and Budget, who's near a Tandon, got grilled by Josh Hawley for taking money from big tech. Now, the way it works for those who don't in the political process, when a new president comes in, they nominate top people for their positions. They got to get approved by the Senate. They get questioned and this and that. And then it's just, you know, the typical hearings and stuff. Even if they're valid hearings, usually they're a waste of time. But even if they're valid hearings, nothing comes of it. So it's kind of like, what the hell is the point, right? Anyways, Neera Tandem has made, I think 
couple million dollars recently or just a little bit less than that from Wall Street and big tech. And so Josh Hawley, who, you know, the left is saying ironic that he's attacking her on this because, you know, they're accusing Josh Hawley of being an insurrectionist because of what happened on the 6th. But nonetheless, they they do have to give Hawley credit. In this case, they've admitted most figures on the left have admitted because or political commentators have admitted because he asked some valid questions and he legit just said to her, you got paid by Wall Street and big tech. So how are we going to be sure that if you take this position, you're going to go after them to or regulate them at the very least and keep them in line? How? They just paid you. Sort of like the Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen, who is apparently highly respected and loved on Wall Street. But again, she's made over $7 million in speeches in the last, I think, four to five years just giving speeches to Wall Street bankers and, and hedge funds. So, like, is the corruption not there either? The corruption's absolutely there. And yet the media won't talk about this. So the corruption's there. You can clearly see that there's not a line that separates the, the Wall Street people from the government people because Biden's putting in those people. And I'm not saying that about everyone he's putting in, but in this case, Janet Yellen and Neera Tandon there. How come no one talks about it? If the media wanted to, this could be as big of an issue as Russiagate. It all just comes down to perception and how much the media wants to pump up the story. It's true. Now, I'm not saying Russiagate was fake, but I would dare to say a lot of those facts were extremely odd and were propped up substantially. And then the question becomes, do you believe the intelligence agencies of the West, right, or of the United States, pardon me. The next thing is that Trump's impeachment lawyer, if you guys saw yesterday, I'm trying not to, not to cover the Trump impeachment thing too much because everyone else is talking about it. So I don't want to be just another source for something you guys already know, right? Um, but... His Trump's so first off the the Dem, uh, Democrat Democratic congressman who I, a representative who I believe is uh, heading the impeachment trial for prosecution on the side of going after Trump he made uh, a very passionate speech whether you're on the left or the right you got to admit it was a passionate speech talked about his family a little bit so he he had the perfect I have to say when it came to delivering a speech he had the perfect rhythm if you wanted to grab the minds and the hearts of a lot of people not all the people but of a lot of people because you know he talked about family talked about peace he talked about government he talked about Lincoln he had all those little traits in there that worked well so well allegedly that when Trump's defense lawyers came up both of his defense lawyers, they pretty much admitted, although one more strongly than the other admitted, they had to literally change their defense statements and things like, and reasoning and logic behind it on the spot while that Democrat was, I forgot the, the gentleman's name, was giving the speech because they said it was so good. So Trump's lawyers pretty much got up there, and I'm not even, in plain English, to translate it from political lingo, pretty much said, holy shit, he, he did a good job. Guys, I'm telling the whole Senate, who act as jurors for this trial, by the way, who are the jurors for this trial, we had to change it and it was no good and, and it was great his speech and ours is no good and allegedly according to sources i don't know how truthful this is trump was apparently pissed and screaming and all that so again however we have to also keep in mind that trump's lawyers the two lawyers that were up on the on the stand yesterday or sorry not on the stand in the in the the hearing in the senate there or in the house sorry they, they um they only started working for trump a week ago because Trump had fired his previous uh, lawyers over disagreements on how they should defend him. Now, with that being said, they made their defense statement and all that. And then at the same time, right after simultaneously, the Senate voted in majority agreement that impeaching Trump after he's president is still constitutional. All right. And a couple of Republicans actually reneged on voting against Trump, which means that they'll be uh, voting for his impeachment, believe it or not. So. 
The next thing is that Turkey seemed to compromise with the U.S. over Russian S-400 missiles that Turkey was going to deploy. So Turkey bought some missiles from Russia, from my understanding, uh, the way that I I perceive it and or I I read it, sorry. And um, Turkey and the U.S., they were sorry, Turkey purchased missiles from Russia. U.S. wasn't happy about it. And apparently they tried to get John Kerry in there, from my understanding, very quickly to pretty much say, let's calm things down because Biden brought John Kerry in again. Right. So John Kerry's been a the guy's a a typical uh, elite, if you politician, establishment politician, always keeping the donors and the corporate guys happy. Um, And he's he's been known to be a negotiator for many years under both Democrat and Republican presidents, mainly Democratic though. And I mean, look, if he's a good negotiator, I guess he's good, excuse me. But if he isn't, then I mean, you know, so it's hard to say because you got to see, you have to understand the geopolitical spectrum of it all, right? And John Kerry's had his hand in a lot of things. I'll tell you that. The next thing is that Canada's forced internment, co- oh, sorry, hold on, I do want to mention one more thing before I go on to this, Alan Dershowitz talked about how Trump's lawyers didn't even give a good defense at all, and how the American people are entitled to a debate, I agree, no matter how bad or how good one perceives the events of the 6th to be, which most people do bad, it just comes down to who they're going to blame caused it, right? Dershowitz is right. I don't agree with him on a lot of things. I know a lot of people don't like his ethics and morals, especially that he is a criminal lawyer that defends the most, I guess we could say, excuse me, controversial uh, figures in the past up until today. He is right. The American people are entitled to a, a, a strong debate and a strong defense, which Trump's lawyers honestly didn't seem to have, right? So the next thing is that Canada's, uh, there's talk of, you know, forced internment COVID hotels or camps. So I live in Canada. I know what's happening here. Long story short, there's a new rule that was put into place. A new, I don't know if it's a law per se. I, I don't know. But when someone returns from any other country they've been from, doesn't matter where, they have to quarantine for three days in a hotel of not of their choosing, but they got to pay for it. Now, this is where it gets interesting. So just uh, bear with me here. So you have to quarantine for three days because when you land, you got to they give you a COVID test before you even get out of the gate. So you got no choice. You got to take the test. Okay. They got to wait to see if it comes back negative. If it comes back negative, then you don't have to quarantine or anything like this. If it comes back positive, then after the third day in the hotel, you got to go home and quarantine for minimum 14 days from my understanding, or uh, just a little bit less than that. Cause I guess the three days at the hotel counts, but this is the problem. First off, the option of making someone, I, I don't know, take the, take the test when they land. I mean, fine. You know what? If, if you really want to push us, personally, I'll put up with it. I'm not going to be a guy that, that complains about every little thing, although I do understand that side of it. I'll take it. But then I got to go in a hotel if I test positive, you know, positive. I got to go in a hotel that I got to pay for. And so I've actually had friends and family that came back from England and they told me, and one of my, uh, he's a relative, he told me that he had to pay for the hotel and the price, guys, get this, was $2,000 for the two or three days he had to stay there. You want to know why it's so much? Because the hotels have made a deal with the government. The government pretty much said to a certain chain of hotels, listen, we'll send everyone your way, but do us a favor here, jack up the prices and give us a percentage. That's it. That's what it is. And the, you could argue that is a 
form of organized crime. I mean, I, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but one could literally argue that if they, if assuming we find out what happened on the back end there. And here's the thing. That's 2000 Canadian dollars. If we convert that, that I think that's like 1700 USD. So even then it's still about two grand. Doesn't matter. Right? So at the end of the day, like it's ridiculous. You're paying a stupid amount for something that you're, te- you're technically being forced to do. I don't know what happens if you don't comply. I, I don't, I honestly don't know. The next thing is that Elton John and Michael Caine are trying to encourage other people in the UK to get the vaccine. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe you guys can tell me if there's like a, a commercial campaign happening there or what have you. I mean, look, this has shown us, and I'm not saying Trump, but just in general, this has shown us that we've been lied to for so long that if we're being told the truth about COVID, which we're not, I would I would argue, people question it regardless. You can get the best celebrity. Look at what Hillary Clinton did when she ran. She got Rihanna. She got Jay-Z. She got all the top people to come out for her. Trump still won. Look at what happened in this past election, right, when, with uh, Trump and Biden. I mean, I'm not going to get into the, the whole controversial thing of it being rigged, but look, let's put it this way. Biden spent billions of dollars from donors, and Trump put up a goddamn hell of a fight. What just goes to show you, it's not always about money and politics when it comes to campaigning. You can advertise as much as you want, but it seems like if the people have their mindset, then they have their mindset. And that seems to be the case. You can get Elton John. You can get Michael Caine to come out and say, yeah, do this, do that. Just like they tried to get all the Hollywood uh, top celebrities to encourage people to vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Right. But like, I think it was like a month before the election. Didn't work. Could be because people are waking up. Could be because people are tired of this nonsense establishment elite bullshit. Could be both, right? The next thing is that Biden now has access to hidden phone, alleged hidden phone calls. Excuse me, alleged hidden phone calls that um, Trump and Putin had that apparently Trump went to great lengths to hide. Now, I want to get the full report of the story. I want to see what what developments come out of the story because this is a very freshly reported story. And although it's being reported by all the mainstream media outlets, it's a great headline grabber. And, and I'm not saying that this is a lie or it's fake. But again, when I look and I see CNN, Washington Post, um, Fox, things like MSNBC, you know, ABC, NBC, all that stuff, Business Insider, Politico, Again, the whole thing is that if you want to check for real news, you got to check multiple sources. But what happens when the multiple sources are going off of the same twisted, manipulative set of facts? I'm not saying the facts have been twisted or manipulated. I'm saying we just don't know the full story yet. We have to be vigilant, right? So I don't know how more details would come out about this because if Trump doesn't comment on it, then there's no rebuttal, I guess, unless he has a representative or his kids tweet something out for him. I I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that, look, would I rule out the fact that he had hidden phone calls with Putin? No, I wouldn't rule it out. But would I say that he absolutely did? No, I wouldn't say that either. We should go in with a completely neutral mindset, right? The next thing is that, uh, the final thing rather, sorry, China and Russia are aggressively targeting Canadians for financial, economic, strategic, social, and military reasons, according to the head of the CSIS. The CSIS in Canada is pretty much... um, Canada's Canada's version of the CIA and the head of the CIS barely ever comes out to speak at all so when he does over here it's like oh shit like we should take this seriously so he seems to imply that because he works directly with he cooperates with the CIA and all that right uh they all do that all, you know uh, Britain Canada um Israel and he seemed to imply that ultimately what's happening here is that the Russians and the Chinese are still focused on the Americans, but they've moved on to the Canadians. 
Why? I, I don't know. And I, I'm going to be totally honest with you, being a Canadian myself, I personally believe, unless there's something I'm missing, there's way less to gain in Canada than in the States. Now, I'm not, just to make this clear, I'm not saying, please go hack the States. I'm not saying that. Or please try to infiltrate the US in different ways digitally. No, no, no. I'm just saying that I don't know what there is to gain here. There's nothing of value relative to other countries. And, and I, well, I, there ha I guess there has to be something of value because clearly they're trying to hack us. So I, I don't know. This is too early to tell, right? These are freshly reported stories. So, so that's about it for today. There's a bunch of other stories, you know, the Indian farmer strike and all that, but I've covered that previously. So unless a, a new development comes out, I don't want to bore you guys with the same uh, topics over and over again. So thank you guys so much for watching or listening this morning, and we'll catch you guys later this afternoon for uh, today's traditional episode. Cheers.